Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Well, amen. If you have your Bibles, you're going to be turning to Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 35. Exodus, chapter 35. I have some really exciting news to share with you. You know, we're in the midst of the 2020 vision, as well as together we will. And I have some really exciting news to share with you about that, but I'm going to share it with you somewhere in this message. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to share it, but I'm going to share it somewhere in the message. That means you've got to stay awake. Amen? If you go to sleep in the midst of this message, you're going to miss some really exciting news uh, that the Lord has done in our midst, where the Lord has shown up in a great and mighty way. We are in the midst of talking about Together We Will, and that is a three-year emphasis where we're seeking to raise $500,000, pledge that $500,000 over the next few weeks to be given over three years as part of a $1 million plan of all the things we're doing, remodeling buildings, adding facilities, uh, expanding ministries, all the things that God has told us to do by the end of 2020. We're in the midst of doing that, and, and God has a plan whereby he wants to provide for that. And we're talking about that and sharing about that last week. I shared with you the difference between together we can and together we will. A big difference, a major step of faith when we say that together we will. But today I want to share with you one of the most exciting things spiritually that you can enjoy in your life and have a part in your life, and it has to do with giving. All right? It has to do with giving. Now, don't turn, don't turn that off. You know? Oh, no. Here's one of those guys. I'm going to share with you one of the most exciting, spiritually moving things that you can experience in your life. And then you're going to have an opportunity to participate in that or to join that or to miss that. That's totally up to you. But as God's teacher and as God's pastor of you, I have the responsibility to share with you the whole counsel of God and help you to understand that great, those great truths of how God can bless us in the midst of giving. I want, I want you to write down, if you're taking some notes, I want to write, you write down some basic things we all know, but I want you to have those in your heart and mind as we begin. One of those things is that God owns everything, amen? God owns everything. Therefore, any time that God would want to build something, build a place for him, whether that would be in the Old Testament, which would have been the tabernacle or the temple, Or whether it would be in the New Testament era that he would want to build a church facility and a building. Whatever God wanted to do, God has the means to do it. He owns everything. And if he had chosen to do it, he could do it that way, right? He could absolutely do whatever he wanted to. He could just bring it out of heaven and drop it down and we could enjoy it. But the second thing is God didn't choose to do it that way. What God chose to do both in the Old Testament and the New Testament era God chose that whenever he would provide his facilities, he was going to do it through his people. Through his people in the Old Testament who would have been the Jews, and in the New Testament era, those who are believers in Christ. He said that when he wants to build something in this world, when he wants to establish something in this world, whether in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, or the temple, or whether in, in our day, the facilities that a, a people would gather together, that when he's going to do that, he's not just going to drop that out of heaven But rather, he is going to do that by using his people to provide the means to get that accomplished. Now, a third thing I want you to write down is that there is one thing. Eventually, there's going to be one thing that God provides for you and me and all those who believed in him. And you're not going to contribute one thing to it. It's going to be yours to enjoy. It's going to be a blessed experience for you to have that. Do you know what that is? 
Well, salvation is true, but I'm talking about a physical, I'm talking about something physical. We talked about in the Revelation, he's dropping down what? The new Jerusalem. He has built the new Jerusalem, and you're not contributing anything to that. He's made it, and all it describes in the book of Revelation with the streets of gold and all those things that we're going to enjoy, God has created that, provided for that, and does that, that you and I and every person who believes in Christ has a relationship with Christ, will get to enjoy free of charge. Isn't that wonderful that he's going to provide that for you? But up to that time when God is working, when God is doing something in this world, he's going to use his people to provide those facilities, to provide those means. That is God's plan. That is what God wants to do in the midst of us. He wants to provide those facilities by and through us. Now, why? Here's the question. Why, why, does God, why does God want to do that? Because God wants you and me to experience one of the greatest blessings that we can have on this earth. How many of you want to experience one of the greatest blessings God has? Raise your hand. For the rest of you, y'all must be sleeping already. Slap them. Wake them up. Okay, we're not time to sleep. How many of you want to experience the greatest blessings God has? I do. So, so how do we experience that? Well, God knows that whenever he allows us to participate, and he allows us to use us to provide, that that is going to be one of the greatest spiritual blessings that we will enjoy. One of those things that God has for us and cherishes that he wants to share with us, that we get the opportunity to do that. Well, let's talk about how that happens. Here's the question. How does God provide for his work? Through his people. I want you to see that. Here in Exodus chapter 35, you have your Bibles there. Turn there, and I want you to see this. This is in the time of the children of Israel. They have left Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. They're in the midst of the wilderness. And now God has taken Moses to Mount Sinai, and he's told him, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to build a tabernacle, which is a a big tent that is going to be carried with you and with the people all around their wanderings. And that tabernacle is the tent of meetings, it's the place where I will meet with Moses and I will meet with the people of God there in that tabernacle. Now, God certainly has the means whereby he could have dropped that tent right out of heaven. Amen? But he didn't do that. He rather shared with them how it was going to happen, how it was going to take place. Listen to what it says in verse number 5 of chapter 35. Here's what he says. Moses speaks to them. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring to the Lord's as the Lord's contribution gold, silver, and bronze, and blue, and purple, and scarlet materials, fine linen, goat's hair, and it just keeps on and on and on, addressing all of those things that's supposed to be brought. And this is what he said. In order to build my tabernacle, you are to take a contribution from your people, all right, from your people. Now, command. The command is that that the contribution is to be taken, but it is also an invitation because he says there in verse five, I want you to take from among you a contribution of whoever has a willing heart, whoever has a willing heart, whoever is willing to do that. I I want them to bring that contribution. So it's a command. It's an opportunity. You should do this. But it's also an invitation. You have the opportunity to enjoy because I want to bless you. 
Because I want to move in the midst of you. I want you to have something that I want to give to you. So I want you to come. So here was the qualifications. You have to have a willing heart. And the second thing is, you're to take a contribution of the Lord. A contribution of the Lord's. Now, hold on a second. What, what does that mean? That word, the contribution in the Hebrew, means a heave offering. Listen to that. A heave offering. Well, what in the world was a heave offering? Well, a heave offering was something that somebody would take, and they would take in their hands, and they would throw it up in the air, they would heave it up in the air, and that which fell in a certain place was going to be the Lord's. It was going to be the sacrifice. It was going to be the gift. In other words, what they did is they didn't say, well, I think I can do this, and I think I can figure out how much I can give there. It says you're to go and to take it and to heave it up in the air and let God determine, the Lord determine, what will fall and what will be given to him. Very, very important. Very challenging to our heart. Because God says, I want to be the one who determines what you are to give. Now, God has the right to say that to us, doesn't he? He does. Why? Because he provides everything anyway. Everything we have is his. And so the Lord is saying, of all the stuff that I provided for you, all the stuff that I've given to you, I want you to throw it up in the air. I want you to wait and let me tell you what uh, you are to give. So they had to have a willing heart, and they had to go and throw it up and let the Lord determine what that would be. Well, whenever they did that, it was, it was not the same amount that everybody gave. It wasn't the same things that everybody gave. I mean, look at that list from 5 to 9. In 5 to 9, it names all kinds of things. Gold, silver, there's scarlet. There's even something in there called goat's hair. There's something in there called acacia wood. Acacia wood was very, very um, available. And very inexpensive. But some people, that might be all they had. It didn't matter what it was or how much it was. What mattered was that they would give to the Lord what the Lord said that they were to give. And they were contribute. Some could give more. Some could give less. Some could get silver and gold. Some gave acacia. It didn't matter. What mattered was that they wanted to contribute to what God was doing. They had a willing heart to do that. And as they had that willing heart to do it, they let God determine what they were to do. So... Here's the obedience that they had. Verse 21. And everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution, that heave offering, for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So it says that the spirit of God would move them. Their hearts were stirred. The spirit of God moved them. He was the one to determine what they were to give and how they were to give that. And as they did that, they brought that contribution to Moses and to those who would be the builder of the tabernacle. They were obedient to what God told them to do. They were so obedient to what God had told them to do that it ends up that they have more than is necessary. Isn't that neat? They brought so much. Look at chapter 36, verse number 5. They reported, those who were the skillful men who were building that tabernacle reported, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman any longer perform any work for the contribution of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform it. They gave enough 
and more than enough in order to build that tabernacle. From what? From a willing heart stirred by the Holy Spirit, moved by God to give what God told them to do of their part and bringing all of that together, there was more than enough. There's always more than enough when God's in it. Amen. There's always more than enough. Now, here's a question. We're talking about people who have been slaves for 400 years, haven't they? They've been slaves for 400 years. For 400 years, they've been serving Egypt. And now they've come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're in the midst of the wilderness. And as they're in the midst of that wilderness, how in the world do slaves, how in the world do slaves who've been slaves for 400 years have enough resources and enough things to be able to give a contribution to build a tabernacle that is going to be made out of gold and silver and fine linen and, and jewels. And how would slaves have enough to be able to contribute to that? I'm glad you asked that question. Turn your Bibles back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5. God gave them a command whenever they were leaving the, the Egypt. He gave them this command regarding the fact that they were how they were leaving. He said that you are not, he said you are not to leave empty-handed. But rather, whenever you leave, you are to go and you're to take with you the riches of Egypt. He said, you are to make a request of them. And that request of them is that they will give to you their resources. Give to you what has been, what has been theirs and, what is, and all these riches. So what do they do? They, they ask them, they say, we want you to give to us the resources and the riches that you have. We're not going to leave here empty-handed. And as they... Left from there, they left with the riches of all of Egypt. See, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they didn't just leave free. They left there with all the resources that God had given to them and provided for them in regard to those things. And he had said in verse 35, it is 1235. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given people in the favor favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. When they left, they left with gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt. Now hold on a second. Wait, wait a minute. Now they're going out and they're going to be traveling and journeying out in a wilderness. What store do you shop at in the wilderness? There is not a Walmart or a Dollar General, I promise you. There's none of those out in the wilderness. There's, there's nothing absolutely in the wilderness to buy. So you have to carry all these riches and all this gold and all this silver. You've got to carry all these riches with you in the wilderness. Why in the world did God tell them? Why did God give to them the, the, the request? Why did God tell them to take the riches of Egypt? Because God knew that in the midst of the wilderness, he was going to build his tabernacle. He knew he was going to build his tabernacle. In order to build his tabernacle, he was going to need gold and silver and precious jewels and all the fine things that Egypt had had. So he let his people have the things of Egypt to bring them out so they could contribute. They could contribute to building the tabernacle. That's what it's all about. You say, what does that have to do with us? Friend, do you realize that this world is Egypt? You, you know that? This is e we live in Egypt. We do. And, and one day we're going to leave Egypt. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to go to the place where he has for us in that glorious place called heaven. But while we're in Egypt, we regain, we gain the resources of Egypt. We have those earthly things that we have. But why does God want you to have the earthly? Not because you're going to keep them with you. 
Not because you're going to keep them with you. You get to enjoy them here. And he gives them to us that we get to contribute. That we get to be a part of the king's work. We get to be a part of the Lord's kingdom and what he wants us to do. And what a blessing when we get to join in on what he is doing. There's no other reason for us to have it than to be able to contribute there. Because one day we're going to leave behind. And like I said, he has a place prepared for us. That we're going to enjoy. We don't pay anything for that he has made for us. So God gives to us these resources. Look around you. you got all kinds of resources. And what he says to the people of that day is, listen, I blessed you with resources. Now I want you to have a willing heart. I want you to give me what I would tell you to give. And I want you to participate in being a part of what I'm doing, in that case, the tabernacle. Now think about that. If I didn't have much, but I had acacia wood, and they took that acacia wood and formed the Ark of the Covenant, and over the Ark they laid the gold, but I know that I had an opportunity to be a part of putting the Ark of the Covenant together because I gave the wood, you think that'd be a blessing in my life? You think that'd be a blessing to somebody that you had the opportunity to be a part of that? You don't know where your part is, but you know you are a part of that because God has given you the opportunity to contribute. How does he do it? He does it through his people. He does it through his people, and he does it through his people. He does it so that people can be blessed. His people can be blessed. It's not a fact that he has to have everybody to do it so that we can have enough. He always provides enough, always. He just wants to know if you want to receive a blessing. Do you want the blessing? Do you want the blessings that God gives whenever you get to contribute to what God is doing? You might ask the question, well, what, what blessings, what are the blessings of participating in what God's doing? I want to show you. Turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Here's another experience of where God chooses to use his people to build something he wants to build. This time, it's going to be the building of the temple. That was the building of the tabernacle, right? That was a tent. But David said... Lord, I want to build you a house. And, and God said, you, you aren't qualified to build me a house. I appreciate the fact you want me to build me a house, but you're not qualified. But I will let your son build me a house. I will give to you all the instructions and all the directions, and I'll let you participate in getting all the stuff together. But it will be your son Solomon who will actually build my house, this glorious place called the temple. There's nothing that has ever been built that compares to the temple that was built by Solomon. I mean, it is unbelievable all the details and all the gold and everything that was placed in that glorious, and it was about the size of a gymnasium is how big it was, that glorious place called the temple. But as we study there and as we find out, we'll find out what the blessings are and find out, do you want to experience the blessing? Here in chapter 29, David begins and he talks to them about the progression of giving. Well, how this is supposed to happen. Beginning in verse 3 of chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, this is what David says. And moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple. You hear what David said? David said, the joy I have as king is that I get to lead forth and I get to be the one who leads forth in giving for the temple of my God. All that I've given so far, I don't count as anything. I want to even give more than that. I want to lead forth because I want to be a part of what God is doing and helping to provide for this glorious temple. So the first thing that happens 
is David the leader said, I'm going to participate. I'm going to give. Look what happened in verse 6. Then the rulers of the father's household and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and hundreds with overseers over the king's work offered willingly. In other words, after David gave, then came the rulers, the princes, or what you'd call the leaders. The leaders joined in with David and said, we're going to give too. Not just you, King David, but we're going to be a part of what you're doing and what God is doing, and we're going to join in. That's not all. Look what happens in verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So first it's David, then it's the rulers or the leaders, and then it's the people. All the people come and join. God does not expect the people to do what leaders don't do. God expects the leaders, if you're a leader, to be a leader, amen? And that is that you participate and you're a part of what God's doing. David took that leadership role, and then the other leaders joined David in that leadership role, and then the people joined in in that role. And that is the progression that God always has. I would never, I would never ask you to give to something that we didn't support, that Lynn and I didn't support. Matter of fact, we feel like we're supposed to lead the way in regard to that. So we're going to be, this is our pledge card that we're giving, and we're going to turn in this week, because it's the first week to turn in pledge cards. We're turning our pledge card, and we're talking about what the Lord told us to give, and the Lord got a hold of my heart even this morning as I was looking over the message, and so I had to sit down with her a minute, and I said, well, the Lord wants us to give more than what, what we talked about to start with, and, and so she, my wife's always so gracious. She says, that's fine. That'll be great and wonderful. We don't know where you're going to get groceries sometimes. Not in this case, but there have been times we gave money and she didn't know where we're getting groceries. But she said, uh, that's, if that's what the Lord told you. So this is our pledge and what we're going to be d- giving over the next three years. Remember, that's the first uh, aspect, three years of trying to get the pledges done to raise $500,000 out of a million dollars that we need to accomplish these things. So you keep that in your mind if you would, all right? Now, I feel like we're supposed to lead. I feel like our deacon is supposed to lead. I think our Sunday school teachers, I think anybody's leadership role, you need to be a part of what God is doing. And then our people join in in doing that. And, and when all that happens, then we each one get to experience some blessings. And what are those blessings? I want to show you those blessings. Turn right there in your Bible to verse 9, to verse 9 of First Chronicles chapter 29. Let, let me share with you what those blessings are. Here are the blessings. The first thing that you're going to have whenever you contribute to what God's wanting to do in this time, in his place, your worship will be sweeter. Did you know that? Your worship of God will be sweeter. Look what it says there in verse 9. And the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. You know what that rejoicing is? That's worship. It says they, they rejoiced, they rejoiced greatly because they had participated, they had joined in, they had contributed, they had given. Whatever it might be that they gave, however it might be and whatever type of giving it is, it didn't matter. They were just rejoicing because they were giving. If you want your worship to be sweeter, if you want God to turn up the energy in your worship, where it, I'm not talking about that you sing a little louder, I'm talking about the Spirit of God moves in your heart. 
To the point he moves in your heart to tears sometimes because you are able to worship and your spirit is abiding with God in that place. If you want your worship to be sweeter, then God says, if you'll join me in what I'm doing, your worship will be sweeter. You'll be able to rejoice. But that's not all. That's just one blessing. Look at this one in verse 9. Your commitment will be deeper. Look at verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly For they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. They made their offering to the Lord with what? With a whole heart. Their commitment was deeper. They weren't giving God a portion of their life. They weren't letting him have a closet in their life. Their whole heart was given to God whenever what? Whenever they contributed. It deepened their commitment. If you want a deeper commitment to the Lord, if you want a deeper commitment to the Lord's church, then you just give. You know, it's amazing how committed you can become to something you support. Do you know that? People ask me about, why are you an Alabama fan? Why are you an Alabama Crimson Tide fan? And I told them, I became an Alabama Crimson Tide fan when I had two children that graduated from there, and I sent a bunch of money to Alabama. Amen? (laughs) That'll make you root for somebody. Wait wait, wait a minute. Whenever you start giving money to something, when you start contributing to something, you start investing in something, you care a whole lot more about what's happening there. You feel a whole lot more part of what's going on there. You feel like it's a part of your life, and your life is a part of that. And how does that happen? Because you give. Whenever they gave, it deepened their commitment to the Lord. How is your level of commitment to the Lord? Is it where it ought to be and where it used to be? You want to deepen that level of commitment? I'll tell you how you do that. Just join in what God's doing. You just join in what God's doing. You ask the Lord, what do you have you to do? You do what the Lord tells you to do. And I promise there'll be an overflow of God's spirit in you that will deepen your commitment. But that's not all. It provides a testimony that is inspiring. A testimony that's inspiring. Look at verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Their testimony, what? Caused David, the king, to what? To rejoice greatly. The testimony that they had given caused David to feel a joy in his heart and excitement in his spirit because his people had joined in. His people had been a part of what God was wanting to do. He was excited about that. But not only the fact that that testimony will be inspiring, it is also that your fellowship will be stronger. Your fellowship with God and your fellowship with people. Look what it says in verses 17 and 18. Since I know, O my Lord, that thou triest the heart and delightest in the uprightness, I in the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things so that now with joy, here's that testimony, with joy, I have seen thy people who are present here making their offerings willingly to the Lord or to thee. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of thy people and direct their heart to thee. In other words, he says, Lord, let their heart be closer to thee. When it says that it it grows your fellowship or it empowers that fellowship, it's talking about a fellowship you have with God. But it's also talking about a fellowship you have with others. Don't you know that when those people joined in, that there was a a bonding of 
King David and the leaders to those people. It was a bonding of David to his people and his people to David and all those leaders in between. It brought them together in fellowship. So the fellowship you enjoy is the fellowship you enjoy with God, the intents of our heart being drawn close to him, and the fellowship we enjoy with one another when we've all joined together to do whatever God has said for us to do. And only God and us know what God has called on us to do. All we have to do is answer to the Lord. Amen? We don't have to answer to any other soul, any other person. Now, I want you to know a couple of things and we'll close. Here's the truth. God is only going to ask you to give what you have. All right? He's only going to ask you to give what you have. He will never ask you to give what you don't have. It's kind of hard to give what you don't have, right? He will only ask you to give what you have. He will never ask you to give what you don't have. But here's the third thing. Hold on. Sometimes he will ask you to give what you will have. Did you hear that one? Sometimes he will ask you to give what you will have, knowing that he is going to provide that for you. Knowing that he already has available and he's going to provide this for you. You don't see how it's going to work out. You don't know how it's going to take place. But God has said, this is what I want you to do. And it will be there when you need it. It will be there when you need it. And boy, that is a step of faith whenever you step out that far. Amen. But it's exciting to watch God show up and watch God provide what only God can do. Provide. Now, those are examples of the, of the, of the uh, Old Testament. Tabernacle, the temple. But, but I'm here to tell you the same principles are, are still true. The same principles are true in the, in the New Testament era. If you read what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the same principles, the same truths. Let me get back there and show you where we are. He talks about the fact that God supplies our needs. You remember that? That he, God, supplies all of our needs. And this is what he said. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. That always having all sufficiency in everything. You may have an abundance for every good deed or good work. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for the food. Will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. Which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. In other words, whenever you join in on what God's doing, when you join in, you will be enriched. And a thanksgiving of praise will go to Almighty God. See, I personally believe that we have just as much responsibility as the children of Israel did in the wilderness or when they built a temple. You know, we are, we are blessed to, to meet in these facilities that we have. And we're blessed because for almost 132 years, there have been people who were preceded us, who are part of this Parker family, who gave sacrificially to provide the facilities and all the things that we enjoy this day. Amen. And now it's our generation. Now it's our time. And God's called on us to do something. And we are to be busy about providing for the future generations of what God is wanting to do. And therefore, God moves on our heart to do certain things, such as the 2020 vision, and together we will. 
What we must have to be able to say and do is we must say, Lord, however you can use me and whatever you want to do in me, I choose for you to do that. And I want you to be honored and I want you to be glorified and I want to receive the blessings that you've promised to me. <laughs> Let me share with you about that good news. God always blesses us beyond what we are able to think about, to imagine. And uh, last week I stood up and preached about together we will. And I shared with you, and this has been true in our ministry wherever we've been, that God is always abundantly supplied to enable us to do everything we've ever done, million-dollar projects or whatever they might be. And sometimes he just kind of shows up and surprises us in ways that we don't expect. And this is a million-dollar project that we're talking about. So we're talking about we're needing to pledge for three years. Then we're going to turn around and going to have to pledge another three years for another four or $500,000 in order to get that bill, in order to get everything paid for. So it's going to take about six years. On Monday morning after I preached that last Sunday, I received a letter in the mail. The letter in the mail had to do with the estate of a former member of our church who had passed away recently. I'd gotten, I'd gotten the letter a few months ago about her passing away. She's a dear saint. She's been a non-resident member for a while, living over in Atlanta. But that she had passed away and that we were a part of her estate. And really, in my mind, I thought, well, that's, I don't know how much money that would be, you know, probably $10,000, $20,000. And I got that letter this Monday, and it told me what her estate was. And our part of that estate is around $330,000. And so that $330,000 will be coming to our church within the next couple of months. And, and, and what the Lord just did is the Lord said, well, if you'll take care of that first part, I'll take care of that second part. Amen? If we're not talking about something that's... Uh, we're not talking about a three-year plan and then a six-year plan. We're just, God just said, if you'll just do the three-year plan and get that done, then I'll take care of the other. And what a blessing that is. Now, let me, tell you the, let me tell you the providence of God in that. Think about this for just a minute. Here's a little lady who's a faithful member of our fellowship all those years, and however she made her money, however she invested that. But in her estate planning, she decided that she wanted to leave one-sixth of her estate to uh, Parker Memorial, all right, to Parker Memorial. Not knowing when she would die, not knowing anything about 2020 vision, together we will, not knowing anything about that, but God knew about that, amen? And God let her set that up, and God let her establish that so that we came to the place where we're trying to trust God and see what God's going to do to provide. That letter just happens to be on my desk on Monday morning after we've challenged ourselves that together we will. Amen. Now, I'm here to tell you, I'm not worried about God taking care of that million dollars. He can take care of it. In, in a, I may get another letter tomorrow. Okay, but hold on a second. Hold on a second. I don't want to miss out on the blessings. I don't want somebody to just, I don't want somebody to give it, get it all. I, I want to be a part of that blessing too. I want to be a part of contributing about what this church is going to do in future generations. I, I want to receive those blessings because I trust. I don't want somebody to give it all. I want to do my part. And I hope and pray that you as a fellowship want to do your part as well. For your blessing. For, for your testimony. For your praise. For your worship. For what God wants to do in your heart and your life. He invites you and me to participate. And I pray that we'll say yes. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. 
Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.